When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. This is our match preview. Newcastle travelled down to West Brom on Sunday and there is plenty to talk about ahead of that game. In this episode, we'll hear from our Chief Sports Writer, Lee Ryder, who explains what went on in Steve Bruce's press comments on Friday. That, of course, coming just days after the training ground bust up with Matt Ritchie. We'll also hear from veteran journalist John Gibson on the injuries to Miguel Almiron and Alan St. Maxman. And we'll have a feature-length preview with Burnham Live's Joseph Chapman. All that to come on the Everything is Black and White podcast. Hello, thanks for joining us, Andrew Muscovia, and what a week it has been for Newcastle United. Unfortunately, not really a good week. Plenty of drama, though, to report about. Fingers crossed it doesn't affect the preparation for that really important game against West Brom on Sunday. To kickstart this preview episode, we're going to hear from Lee Ryder, who was in Steve press conference on Friday morning. And of course, all the focus was on that training ground bust up with Matt Ritchie. Lee explains what went down. Yeah, for me, I think the Steve press conference today had spats of last season against West Brom. Well, you know, leaks going into the game, uh, reports of unrest. Uh, it's a similar scenario, just a different player. It was Alan St. Maximan last time, and then, you know, after that game, everyone sort of denied there was, there was any rift. Going into this one, Steve Bruce has tried to play it down. He did admit he'd had uh, a big argument with, with Matt Ritchie. Uh, but again, the usual, you know, cliches of, you know, this happens all the time at training grounds, you know, which it does. But from his point of view, he knows nothing can, there's no hiding place if, if Newcastle lose against West Brom. Uh, the critics, you know, will be lining up again, uh, pundits, fans, journalists, because, you know, if they've already proved they couldn't beat the bottom team. They've now got to try and beat the second bottom team and failure to do that will, you know, leave them still in trouble. So a very intense press conference, lots of subjects covered from the substitution row to the leaks to everything. And, you know, that surrounded Newcastle all season, a lot of controversy, but hopefully Newcastle can put that all behind them and get the result of the Hawthorns. So there was Lee Ryder, and like we say, he was in Steve Bruce's press conference on Friday morning. Now, we haven't got any audio of that, but I can read you some of the key quotes. Lots of interesting stuff, as Lee said, to dive into. And we'll start with Matt Ritchie and that apology. Steve Bruce was asked about it, asked about it to give more insight on what happened. And he said, the very following day, he trained and trained well. He came and apologised to me, the staff and the players, from that point of view, we've moved on. These things happen from early last week. As far as I am concerned, it is over. It just got regurgitated in a newspaper. Now, it was clear from this press conference that Steve Bruce is very angry at the apparent leak within the dressing room or within the training ground. And he says, you know, they're trying to find out who that is. Um, they obviously reported uh, that the players were also unhappy with the number of days given off. And Steve Bruce came out fighting as well when he was asked about that. You know, he said it was bordering on ridiculous. He said, I don't even have to respond to that. The playing schedule this year has been totally ridiculous. 
We didn't have a day off for something like six weeks. We set the schedule last month with doctors and sports scientists. And he really did come out fighting with nearly every question he was asked. But one of the other questions he was asked was whether Sunday is a must-win against West Brom. And I'll be honest, his, his answer somewhat surprised me. Whether he's trying to play down the seriousness of the situation Newcastle find themselves in, I don't know. But this is what he said when he was asked, is this a must-win against West Brom? He said, is it a must-win? Well, we'd like to win, but I don't put it as a must-win. With the week and all the rest of it, I've had an argument or a row. But as far as I'm concerned, that happens up and down the line at every training ground, every couple of days. In Newcastle, it gets national headline news. We have to remain focused against West Brom and go in there to get a result. Interesting. I think a lot of people, including myself, would argue that this is a must-win. Uh, just because Newcastle need to start picking up points. They can't keep relying on Fulham not to do so. I mean, Fulham should have beaten Spurs on Thursday. The handball rule, which is now it's incidentally being changed and will come into play next season, uh, cost them an equaliser. And they probably would have gone to win that game because they were in the ascendancy. And to be sat at home, as I mentioned to, to Joe from Birmingham Live in the preview, to be sat at home cheering on an opposition to beat Spurs is not... Uh, to beat Fulham, sorry, he's not where Newcastle fans want to see their team. We shouldn't be cheering on other sides to beat other sides to secure Premier League safety, should we? But that's the position we find ourselves in. And all the focus is on West Brom on Sunday. Hopefully Newcastle can pick up the three points and stop relying on other sides and they can rely on themselves to get themselves out of safety. After this short break, we'll hear from Joe Chapman from Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm joined by Burnham Live's Joe Chapman for our preview show. Newcastle head down to West Brom on Sunday. And what is a must win for both teams, Joe? Obviously, West Brom coming to this game on the back of a, a defeat to Everton. What is the mood like in the camp and how are they approaching this game on Sunday? The mood's been really, really positive. Uh, to be honest with you, the last few weeks have seen a a really big upturn in, in performance levels. I think that it's taken a little while for Allardyce to get his feet under the table at Albion. Uh, they really, really needed some some January additions. They haven't. They didn't arrive until the very, very end of the window. So a little bit of an integration period with those new players. Um, and, you know, kind of from the middle of February onwards up until last night, the, the collective performances have been much, much better. And the results have been there as well. You know, they've, they should have won more than the one game that they picked up, but you know, one defeat in four, and they've only conceded a couple of goals in that time. So defensively, they're looking a lot stronger as well. Uh, it's just a big question now: of, you know, is it too late, really? You know, in terms of pushing for pushing for survival, because time is very, very quickly running out. But they do look a lot better, and at least they're going to uh, seemingly they're going to give it a go between now and the end of the season, rather than go out with a whimper. I didn't watch the game last night. I'm sure our listeners and viewers might. Understand. I was more focused on another game down in London. But I did listen to a bit of on the radio and it seemed in the first half West Brom started really well and, and, and arguably should have been in front at some points during the first half. Yeah, they've that's been another problem really in the last few weeks. It's just killing teams off. They, they were the better team against Man United. They should have won that game. They had to settle for a draw with 10 men for an hour against Burnley a week later. They took the game to Burnley and Again, they should have been out of sight, really, in the second half. Uh, you know, they, they put, they're putting so much into their performances, I think, that they really need to start rewarding themselves. That's that's kind of something that really, really struck me. Even the goal they scored against Brighton the other uh, last Saturday, which 
course, we all know, anybody watching that game will have known all about the kind of controversy in that game. They were fortunate that day, but even the goal they scored that day was a set piece. You know, you, you, you're creating chances. You need your strikers to start putting them away. That's that's something that's um, that's been a, a consistent problem, really. And again, it was the same last night. You know, they've they've started really, really positive. Everton looked leggy. Everton obviously played on Monday night and looked pretty weary at the beginning of that game. And I think Albion just kind of almost caught them off guard a little bit, the way they took to the game. And... Uh, the longer the game goes on and you're not you're not got yourself in front, then inevitably, you know, a team like Everton, where they are in the league table, are going to nick a goal and ultimately they had to pay the price. So can Cast United fans expect West Brom to come flying out the traps then? And is, is that what they're going to have to deal with early on on Sunday? Well, I think my concern really is the way Everton were at the beginning of last night's game is what Albion might be a little bit like on Sunday. It's such a quick turnaround. It's something like 60 hours in between the two games. Um, so that's something they're going to have to really deal with because I think Allardyce has now found a team where he can rely on them to to kind of put in these performances and to you know be that disciplined side that he's been searching for uh, for the entirety of his of his reign. So he's now kind of relying on those players to deliver the same. It's not like you know we're a relative Man City, for example, where you can just kind of switch up three or four players. There are kind of a pool of 12, 13 outfield players that he needs to kind of uh, depend on. So it's a case of can they can they repeat those, those um, the, or rather replicate those energy levels again, uh, because they know that while Everton was a game that was kind of crowbarred into their, their schedule that they didn't really want, uh, that they would have rather have played later on in the in the season. It, this is their focus. This is the game they had to go and win. This this Newcastle game, and I'm sure it's the same with you guys as well. You know, you you going into this game knowing, with all the problems at Newcastle at the moment, not even just off the field, but I would look at the injury list at the moment. You think, God, you know, talk about a kind of like when, when you looks down. It's really yeah. really really hits you kind of with both barrels. The cards that Newcastle have been dealt recently with injuries is, is is devastating. And I was going to actually say that in previous games, Newcastle have started quite well. Um, in the first half as well against Manchester United, they were the better side. They were better side for about 15 minutes, really. Um, and again, against Wolves, first half, you know, they were they were decent against Southampton. They were decent in that first half as well. And but then, I, then I remember the injuries and basically, you know, the way they've started well, it's always been built around the likes of Almiron and again going back further when Wilson was fit so it is certainly going to be interesting to see how they line up on Sunday whether there's a formation change and as you mentioned there playing in the background well not even the background playing right at the forefront of all of this is the training ground bust up with Matt Ritchie which he boosted in a press conference today you know but yeah it's happened but it's happened all up and down the country clubs everywhere it's not that big of a deal um, I know Big Sam was asked about it in his press conference after the Everton game. What did he have to say about it? Uh, he was pretty uh, honest about it. I think what you probably expect Big Sam to be like about it, really. Kind of, you know, it's two grown men that have had a disagreement and uh, will just basically kind of, you know, air your views and um, as, as you should do and then move on the next day. I think he thinks from the outside looking in that, it's been blown out of proportion a little bit. So it's a situation I think Albion have got to try and use to their advantage because that is the one thing that they seem to have at the moment is that unity 
They all do seem to be pulling in the same direction at the moment. They all do seem to understand what is being expected of them. Uh, what Allardyce is demanding that perhaps Billich wasn't, you know, the, the questions that, that Allardyce is asking of them on a day-to-day basis uh, in terms of team shape and, and, you know, all the kind of basics that you you associate with a, an Allardyce, Bruce, Tony Pulis-like kind of manager. Um so I don't think you'd have too many players at West Brom kind of calling it out at the moment because it, it does seem to be, you know, it is in every situation in football. I think when the results start to come, then everything clicks into place at the same time. You've got the confidence levels up, but also the players know then that what they're buying into is going to produce some results, which I suppose is the problem at the minute with Newcastle. Is a bit, you know, the, the longer this run goes on without these results, players start questioning what on earth is going on at the management level? Hmm, it's a bit of a nightmare. I mean, they've only won two Premier League games since that game against West Brom back in December when Gale came off the bench. I mean, they were lucky there to pick up all three points as well. And I think at that point in time, the results weren't mirroring the performances. They were picking up points, which maybe they didn't really deserve to win. Whereas since that game, they've picked up points where they deserve to, i.e. against Southampton, against Everton. Um, they're the games they've won. But elsewhere, they know the results have been exactly how really they should be, given the performances. Is this a game that West Brom are targeting? And do you think West Brom are favourites coming into this one? Without doubt, they're targeting. I mean, Allardyce has pretty much said it himself that it's game over if they don't if they don't win this game. Really, you know, it's a bit of a twelve pointer, isn't it? Because if if they win this game, West Brom, then they're six points within six points of Newcastle. And then all of a sudden, there's then, what, nine, ten games to go? And all of a sudden, that six-point gap, should that be the case, come Sunday afternoon, looks really, you know, you can claw that back. It's looking realistic that they could get there. Um, and, and the confidence levels that would go with another win. So, you... On the flip side of that, if you lose the game to Newcastle or, or, or even a draw, really, I know a point's not very much used to Newcastle because they know they Fulham keep digging in and I know they were pretty unlucky last night. A draw would be the worst result for both sides, I imagine. But defeat, I think, would be the end for Albion, kind of plain and simple. But like Sheffield United, I think a lot of people would have just written them off automatically. But I think that would be the end if they were to get beaten by Newcastle on Sunday. So... It's a must-win, yes, certainly. Uh, our Albion favourites. I had a quick look at the um, the bookies' odds, and the, the bookies seem to think that Albion are very narrow favourites. So I think it's much for much just at the minute. Really, um, I think it gets cancelled out by not not so much the defeat last night, but definitely what that performance would have taken out of them in terms of their prep for the game. That's the one thing that Allardyce has had a bit of a gripe about is that. Bruce and Newcastle have had a full week to prepare for this game when they're actually on the training pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, full week to prepare, but uh, it's not as rosy as uh, Big Sam might think. I've got the quotes here that he, he was asked if it was a must-win Big Sam after the Everton game. And he said, if we beat Newcastle, we're only six points away from them. If we lose, we're 12 points away. That would make it as big as a task as anyone has achieved to try and stay in the Premier League with the amount of games that are left. It can be done mathematically, but it would be... It would make life extremely difficult. That's how big this one is. So clearly, he's targeting three points. And I, I think for many Newcastle United fans, actually, watching the Fulham game last night, um, if 
you know, we, we, we could be inside the living rooms of Newcastle United fans. We would have seen them cheering every time Luis caught the ball mm. or, you know, the ball went out of the bar or what what have you. And it's, it's a sad sign of the times when Newcastle United fans are having to cheer on Spurs to beat Fulham. And I honestly don't think there's much confidence from Newcastle United fans going into this game on Sunday. On the flip side, if you take away all the, the chaos and all the drama, it's still in Newcastle United's hands. You know, they're still three points ahead of Fulham. If they beat West Brom, it goes to six. Fulham have got to then face Liverpool. So for every for all the drama that's going on, this is still in Newcastle's hands. And, it, you know, it's just whether they can seize the opportunity. They haven't of late. And I can understand totally because I'm in the same boat why there's a, a massive lack of confidence that Newcastle can, can uh, kind of achieve safety uh, without relying on, on other sides. Now, what I want to do here before I ask Joe just how West Brom take advantage of the fact that Newcastle United are without their three-star men. I want to bring in John Gibson, our veteran journalist here at Chronicle Live, to get his view on those injuries and this West Brom game. Now joined by John Gibson, and we're just going to discuss briefly the news that Miguel Almiron and Alan St. Maxman have been ruled out till at least April. St. Maxman with a groin injury, Almiron with a knee injury, as I'm sure you guys have heard and read. John, I mean, that is a devastating blow, isn't it? Oh, uh, I mean, you just cannot believe it. Uh, Newcastle United's three most important players um, in Callum Wilson, San Maximum and Almiron all been out with long-term injuries at exactly the same time uh, outside of the goalkeepers. And one of those been out, the other one's almost as good so would get away with that and we had that situation with Dubovka at the start of the season but this is an absolute killer we have not got enough going forward to start with but these three are our biggest hope and why are they because they all bring something different to the table Wilson is obviously his goals and the way he leads the line and the way he plays off the shoulder and the way he finishes uh, Almiron, nobody has got his blistering pace, his ability to get us, us up the park from our penalty area to their penalty area and back again and back again and hardly draws breath because he's got that running ability and nobody has got the trickery of San Maximum. Um, nobody can beat a man from a standing start by dropping his shoulder and going the other way like him. So the three players are going to be missed enormously, not only for what they bring to the table, but for the lack of genuine class we've got beneath them. We have not got good people to bring in. I mean, Liverpool might weep about all the injuries they've had at the back, etc., etc., and other people. But these three injuries to Newcastle, although I hope... I'm not making an excuse here for Steve Bruce to hide because we cannot feel sorry for ourselves. We've got to get on with it and still make it happen. So there was John Gibson. And if you tune into our podcast channels on Saturday morning, you can hear the extended version with John as we talk more about the game against West Brom and how, in our opinion, it definitely is a must-win for Newcastle United. Now, Joe, we've heard there what John had to say. So how do you think West Brom will take advantage of the fact that Newcastle don't have their three best players available? Uh, I think, I mean, those those players, you involve those players, going back to the reverse fixture, we all know Almiron's impact very, very well in that game. 
Newcastle may as well have kicked that game off 1-0 up. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, Wilson was the one that I really, really took out of it. I've seen Newcastle a number of times this season on the telly and whatnot. That was the one time I've been able to watch him in the flesh. And Wilson really, really struck me. It, 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 we all know about his goal record. We all know about the Wilson to Newcastle goals ratio and how important that is and what they're going to be missing from, from him being injured. But it was his all-round game, I think, that sometimes actually probably goes under the radar in that his hold-up play, the way he gets them up the pitch, he does a job, which I'd probably say better than uh, the way Shane Long used to for West Brom. You know, he'd be good for a double-figure goal tally, but it's more than what he it's more than what he what he can bring to the whole side, and you know, the way he could get Maximan and Almiron and Ryan Fraser and that kind of player into the into the game. Um, and he's obviously got that that turn of pace as well. I think that's a huge miss, really, because I think look at West Brom's defenders, whether it's O'Shea, who played really well last night and has played well since he came to the side. Shemi Ajayi is back from suspension. So Allardyce has got a decision to make there. Carl Butley is, is um, a, a constant in the in the side at the moment. So whichever kind of um, combination he goes with in defence, I think they probably have the measure of a Carroll or a Joe Linton, you know, in terms of a physical presence. I don't think they mind an aerial battle and it would be more kind of, kind of, a pacey striker with the ball at his feet on the floor hurt them, um, and so Wilson not playing is a is a is a big is a big boost to Albion. And you mentioned the pacey striker, and it is a guy that you guys know very well. Wanted to <laughs> re-sign him um, after that glorious championship season, and it is Dwight Gale. And for many people, you know he should be the man starting on Sunday as long as he's played in the position. Um, in which he's, he's natural to, because it's a big frustration to me that he started against Chelsea out in this wide position, which Callum Wilson has made his own. You know, that, that suits Callum Wilson perfectly well because he can hold up the ball, he's strong, he can then come inside. Dwight Gale is not that sort of striker. He needs to be in the centre, balls over the top, balls, you know, into the channels, um, which, again, West Brom fans will know all about. Um, and hopefully he starts on Sunday and um, he starts in, in the best position for him. And he's hungry as well because he'll be going back to the baggies, point to prove there perhaps. And also, you know, he needs a new deal in the summer as well. So if he's wanting to show himself, it, there's no better stage to do it right now when Newcastle are missing their main striker and Callum Wilson. It's time for Dwight Gale to step up and, and uh, you know, earn his stripes, so to speak. Yeah, and we saw it in the reverse game as well. There was a an air of inevitability when he came off the bench that he was going to have an impact. And, you know, the, the goal he scored was a, was a terrific goal, broke Albion hearts, but it was a, it was a brilliant header. Uh, so, you know, he's still got that, that, that real proper razor sharp touch in front of goal. It's interesting, actually, he was deployed a little bit wide to accommodate um, Jay Rodriguez once or twice when he was at West Brom, because first half of that season, it sounds silly now, they're all Premier League players, but, Albion had a front three of Rodriguez, Gale and uh, and Harvey Barnes. And to have those front three, you had the, the two playing off Rodriguez, who's obviously more of a, a target man. Uh, it was a frustration, actually, with Albion fans and uh, for a lot of that time when Darren Moore was in charge that Gale needs to be playing number nine. If he could play as a number nine, and he still scored 25 goals, he was still top scorer. Uh, but you kind of wondered to yourself, God, imagine how many he would have scored if he'd have been played as like the absolute main man. Um so, I mean, it's an interesting one in the summer, actually, with Gale. Do you imagine you'll get another another contract? Will it depend on the 
the league that Newcastle are in. Because I think a lot of Albion fans would probably take a gamble on him on a free transfer if he became available. I think it depends on what he wants as well, because it's probably going to be his last contract, especially his last big contract. He's 31 and he's only played something like, I think it's 127 minutes this season, something like that. Um, you know, he hasn't really featured since that game against West Brom, which he scored the winner. Uh, I think he's only started one, to my knowledge, which would have been Chelsea, come off the bench a couple of times. I think he's had six unused substitute appearances. So um, I think it, it depends on what he wants. It depends on what Newcastle can offer him in terms of a wage. You know, he, he took a massive wage uh, boost that that uh, that summer that he joined West Brom. You know, that was the kind of the the movement Newcastle did to make sure he went to West Brom and Rondon came to St. James's Park. And it's all about, let's like say, just the opportunities that Newcastle can, can give him because if Callum Wilson's fit, he's not going to replace him. So did Newcastle then go two up top, unlikely given Almiron and St. Maximum. So I think there's loads of little elements that play into it. And also, I mean, did Newcastle want to keep him? 31, his injuries keep popping up and... You know, he seems to get, he seems to score a couple of goals and that momentum goes. Um, so we saw that towards the end of last season. He went on a good run, picked up an injury, and then that momentum stopped. So it's, I think it's, it's the both parties just got to sit down and kind of discuss, you know, what, what they can offer each other. But if Newcastle aren't going to buy a striker in the summer, many people thought they should have bought one this January to, to cover uh, Callum Wilson. And then obviously the inevitable happened that Callum Wilson got injured. If they aren't going to splash the cash on a decent, you know, bit of competition for Wilson, then it, it probably would make sense to offer him a one, two-year contract because he's he's if he's fit, he's more than a capable um, replacement for Wilson. You know, he's a decent backup alternative. So, yeah, fitness, wage, all that, all plays into one. But hopefully, he can prove himself on on, on Sunday. Um, in terms of West Brom's weaknesses, then Joe, what should Newcastle United be looking out for? Uh, speaking to one of your colleagues earlier about weaknesses, uh, I think it didn't really matter how poor Newcastle were playing a few weeks ago, as recently as a few weeks ago, that have fancied themselves to score a hatful against Albion. You look at the goals that Albion have conceded at the Hawthorns this season, it's absolutely crazy, really. I, you know, Palace scored five, uh, Arsenal scored four, Leeds scored five, City scored five, Villa scored three. Uh, Leicester score three. I mean, the amount of times that they've just they've absolutely they've they've basically given themselves a, no hope in in each game. You know the kind of the game's gone after kind of twenty minutes, half an hour when they're two three behind. They've really properly stamped that out in the last few weeks. And as I said earlier, they've conceded a couple of goals in four games. One of those was a a, a stunner of a goal from Bruno Fernandez. So they've really, really stepped it up defensively. Uh, set pieces are something that I think, generally speaking, they've been okay with, but they were undone last night by Everton. Sigurdsson's delivery really, really, uh, you know, he, we all know about his ability and he caused some problems there and, and Richarlison kind of just nicked him between a couple of defenders and headed home. So, you know, I think it's a concentration level, really, for me. There's been a lot of individual errors this season for Albion. A lot of the time, it's not even really of the opposition's doing. It's they've kind of handed goals to them, very much like the Almiron goal in the in the in the, the first game, where you know Ivanovic doesn't judge the ball, and all of a sudden Wilson's in, passes to Almiron. The position of the defence is all over the place, and he's got a pretty easy task. 
they do seem to, now that Allardyce is there, now that Allardyce is getting them on the training pitch four or five times a week and demanding exactly what he wants, they know exactly what he wants. And you can just see these shoots of, of you know, improvement, certainly. Optimism, a little bit, yeah. Um, he's, he's, he's wanting clean sheets as a... As a kind of just as a given from now on, really, he, he wants he knows Albion aren't the team that are going to score three and four goals each game. So it is a case of um, just from the off, keeping it tight. It sounds really, really obvious, but it's getting back to basics that they needed to do for a long, long time because of all the goals they've conceded. So if they can, you know, as they did yesterday for the first hour, keep it, keep it tight. It's all about what they can do at the other end, really, because defensively they've turned a bit of a corner. So I suppose the question back to you would be, how did Newcastle kind of combat that 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 defence? You know, how do they go about breaking it down? How do they deal with those front three? How do you think the front three or front four will line up? Because you've got Carroll, Gale, Joe Linton, Fraser, Richie. I mean, how do you kind of line them up? How's where, where's Willock been playing? Willock's been playing in the, in the kind of middle of the park alongside uh, Shelby and Hayden. Hayden, incidentally, has picked up a bit of a knock, so it'll be interesting to see if he is available and fit on Sunday. I hope he is, because he really is the kind of the key to that midfield in terms of stopping the other sides, you know, attacking. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's an option that Willie could replace Almiron in that kind of number 10 role. Nicolas Chetes said previously that he sees Willie playing in that kind of role in the future. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's options. I know what I would do, as I've mentioned there, I would bring Dwight Gale in, play Dwight in the middle. Ryan Fraser on one wing uh, and Jacob Murphy on, on the other side to just get those, you know, those balls in the box. You could play Cowell in that role as well and make sure that you get the service. What Steve Bruce will do is another question. In recent games, he's brought Ryan Fraser off and played him in the middle. Kept Joe Linton out on the, on the right. Um, and obviously, I'm you know, uh, sorry, the maximum on the left. So he'll have to be replaced. But I, I can see him doing, doing that and putting Fraser into the middle, which, in my opinion, is a total waste because his, his skills are... He, he crosses the ball. He's got the most crosses this season and he's mm. barely played. You know, and to have him in the middle is is utterly bizarre, in my opinion. But I can see that... I think that's probably what will happen unless they've decided to change the formation because, obviously, if you put Gale or you put Cowell in the centre, then the, the kind of dynamic of the game changes and um, it is getting the ball down the wide and putting it into the box rather than getting the ball down the wide and the players moving in with the ball, um, which is what St. Maxman does, what Wilson did. So it does change the whole dynamic. And Steve Bruce has spoken recently, seems a bit reluctant to to change it. You know, he was asked about last week and he kind of said, well, you can't keep changing things. And there has been signs of improvement. That being said, with Almiron, with Wilson, with St. Maxwell, they've still only won two games in 15, get, 15 or you could say yeah. 2 and 11, given when Wilson got injured. So, you know, that, that formation isn't one in which success, you know, is, is guaranteed. But I do think you'll end up playing Fraser in the middle, which I think would be a massive waste, unfortunately, but I'm not the manager. <laughs> um, in terms of the best player then for West Brom, who have they got a Castle got to look out for Pereira's one that a name that stands out, but is he? I don't know from what I see, sometimes he can be a bit hit and miss, a bit inconsistent. Yeah, in terms of positioning, actually, it's quite interesting to make that point about Fraser. Pereira is somebody that has been a little bit of a victim 
in the way that Albion have set up recently because we all know that he's a he's a number 10. That's where he plays his best football. That's where Billich strived for most of the time to play him. Uh, but ultimately, you know, you've got to think of the, the team and Albion have, in order to bring in, okay, Yakuslu, who's been an absolute revelation as a holding midfielder, uh, and Maitland-Niles, who's been very, very good as well. And with Conor Gallagher, who's got that energy, you need to uh, have those wide those wide positions filled. And, I mean, Pereira at the moment, he's kind of playing for his position in the starting eleven, really, because he hasn't been he hasn't been uh, at it at all, really, the last couple of games. And, you know, he had a little period where he, he came out of the team when Allardyce very, very quickly uh, made it clear that n- nobody's undroppable. You know, you will get dropped if you're not performing. And uh, he did so over Christmas, came back in the side, a little proper little purple patch of goals. Uh, but they've dried up again now. So Pereira's really got to stand out. He's really got to start influencing games again. I know that he's the wide of a front three isn't his favourite position, but that's what he's got to where he's got to play because, you know, you look at the players: Dean Garner, Snodgrass, Callum Robinson, Carlin Grant. They're all after a starting spot, and they're all kind of vying for the same position effectively. So, Pereira, you kind of hope will turn a corner at any given moment. Deanne's been a real proper uh, handful for. I mean, he really he he, he threw. Um, Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire around the other week, you know, real serious physical prowess. And um, I imagine, you know, I don't know whether Federico Fernandes will be back, but I know Lascelles and they'll have to be properly on their game because he is kind of, um, you know, somebody that can really rough defenders up. Fernandes hopefully will be back. He's been in in training. I felt last week would come too soon for him and it did. He didn't feature. So I think he should be back this weekend. It'll be a huge boost. Um, in there, but again, you know, the likes of Keem Clark and Jamal Lasalle haven't exactly, you know, been performing poorly. But I think Fernandez for many is the is the best defender they've got. Um, I guess then the final question, Joe, is what will the score be? Now, Big Sam's record against Newcastle is very, very good. Newcastle have only won two out of twelve um since he left the job back in goodness me, what was it, two thousand and Eight January two thousand eight. So well, that is a lifetime ago, and he's, he's managed about six or seven clubs since then. Yeah, he likes to. Uh, he knows how to get about as the Sam Dice. But brilliant record against Newcastle. You know, again, stats records are there to be broken, though I guess. And it all comes down to maybe he wants it more on Sunday. Will West Brom want it more? What will the score be? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a particularly pretty game. I think I can see it being quite cagey, certainly early on. Uh, neither team's going to want to give anything away uh, in the opening exchanges. I've got to, I've got to just certainly head on heart. I've got to hope that Albion can get through this game with, and, and still have a glimmer of hope on the other side. So, I think it'll be um, a pretty scrappy affair. But I'm going to back Albion to win one nil. Whether that'll be enough in the grand scheme of things, I still don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what Newcastle's running is like. Albion's is still quite questionable. They, I mean, you know, they've blown their chances to beat. Fulham and Sheffield United and Burnley recently. So, you know, it, it feels like they're still kind of, they might have a bit of a regret at the end of this season. But all they can do is win the next game, I suppose. It's a bit of a managerial cliche, but I do think they'll they'll probably edge it. They're not going to uh, blow teams away. But 1-0 is what I'm saying. What about yourself? Yeah, I do fear a West Brom win. I, to be fair, I said Newcastle get beat off Wolves and, and they didn't. 
So, um, but I just think with all the, the drama and everything that's gone on this week, the injuries is bad enough, but then the training ground busts up. And as we speak, there's been a takeover update in the, within the high court. So, all these things, you know, it's meant it's arguably Newcastle's biggest game for many, many years. Probably going back to maybe that West Ham game back uh, under John Carver when Gutierrez scored a, a last minute winner to, to uh, you know, save promotion at that, that, that the season. And obviously got relegated the season after. But, um, yeah, it's a massive game. There's just so many distractions that it's just, it can't be good for 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 the for Steve Bruce, for the players. Certainly not good for the fans. And I just fear it was bad enough without, with these injuries, with all this that's going on. It's, yeah, I, I, I think it'll just all add up to a, to a West Brom win. Do you think that having the fans in the ground would benefit them right now, knowing what's gone on? Or do you reckon actually them playing behind closed doors is a bit of a blessing in disguise at the moment? I th- yeah I think it, if this if the fans had been in with this run, I'd, it's hard to say whether Steve Bruce would still be in a job at most other clubs. Given the run he's on, he wouldn't he wouldn't still be in a job. I mean, how many other teams allow their manager to go on? You know, they hadn't mm-hmm. won was it? They hadn't won ten eleven games, and they've only won two in fifteen. Spent a lot of money in the summer. Yes, you've had COVID. Yes, you know you've had injuries and what have you. But at the end of the day, it's a results driven business, and somehow. You know, Steve Bruce has managed to cling on to his job despite a horrible run of, you know, results. Um, and I think his position would have been untenable had the players been, had the fans been in the ground. Of course, the other side of that is whether the fans being in the ground would have kind of changed the course of the season and, you know, the support yeah. of the 12th man, the cliche there, whether, you know, they would have gone such a bad run in the first place. You know, I suppose we'll never know, but, you know, at the end of the day, they're not going to be back in uh, this season or until the final game this season, maybe. So Steve Bruce has got to has got a soldier on and hopefully pick up three points on Sunday. They need to win, and I would like to see them do it comfortably. However, where that's going to come, I'm doubtful it's going to come on Sunday. Hopefully, from a Newcastle point of view, anyway, I'm proved wrong. Are you home? Are you home on the last game of the season? No, we're away to Fulham, which <laughs> I, I I know the TV companies are already rubbing their hands with that because. Every Gosh. game I've watched so far um, over the last weeks likes to mention it about four or five times during the broadcast. <laughs> so, yes, BT Sky, we're well aware of the drama that could unfold on the last day of the season. But hopefully Newcastle are, are done and dusted by then and they're safe. Because, um, as our chief sports writer said earlier this week, I don't think anyone would be backing them to, to win that game if they needed to. But looking ahead to this weekend against West Brom, fingers crossed my prediction is wrong. I know I've said... I think they're going to get beat, but I'd take a win any day of the week because I just want them to secure the Premier League status and then all the fallout and debate over the manager can come later on when the Premier League status is confirmed. Hopefully, as I say, three points on Sunday despite my heart and head telling me somewhat different. Joe, thank you for joining us on the Everything is Black and White podcast. You guys listening, thank you once again for tuning in. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk as well to keep up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news.